welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Our second installment of our ABCA Awards series continues with former Norfolk State Athletic Director and Head Coach Marty Miller. Coach Miller spent over 50 years at Norfolk State as a player, coach, administrator, and now his role in development. In 32 seasons as head coach, he was a CIAA's winningest coach and was coach of the year 15 times. Norfolk State won 17 conference titles during his tenure. His impact on Norfolk State might have been felt even more in his 15 years as athletic director. Norfolk State's graduation rate increased from 40% to 75% during his time as athletic director. This episode is all about servant leadership. Coach Miller is a shining example of investing your heart and soul into something. He's the definition of leaving it better for those behind you. Let's welcome Marty Miller to the podcast. Here with Marty Miller, I spent over 50 years at Norfolk State, uh, 32 seasons as head coach, uh, 15 years as AD, uh, CIAA's winningest coach, uh, 15 Coach of the Year awards, 17 conference title, and the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, also now ABCA Hall of Famer. So Marty, thanks for jumping on with me. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Your path reminds me a lot of Dave Kylitz's, who was our executive director for a long time, where, where you spend your entire career at one place. Just talk about what Norfolk State has meant to you. Well, Norfolk State means a great deal to me. Even when I enrolled as a student athlete here a few years ago, it, was, it has been like a marriage for me. Um, it seemed like we have been a great match. My goal not only was to be successful here, but to try to make a difference here at the institution. I've always tried to enhance the lives of our students and made every effort to make sure that I did what I could to make them the best once they leave this institution. So it's a place that's very dear to me. It means so much to see how much progress we have made and the value that this institution has, not only just to this community to this state, but to the world. 
how do you feel like you've made a larger impact there? Was it with coaching AD now as development? In what role do you feel like you've you've made the largest impact, or has it been everything combined? I think it has been uh, the total, I say, collection of my life and of the things that I have done here. Because when I worked in administration, I was also the director of financial aid at one point. So I have served many areas of responsibility here in Norfolk State. So I wouldn't say that I had just the greatest impact serving as the baseball coach, but I had an opportunity to impact the lives of so many students when I was director of financial aid. And even as the director of athletics, it helped me to try to make sure that we prepared our students and our student athletes for life beyond athletics. So when I look at it, it's the sum total of everything that I have done that I feel that has made a difference at this institution. You went t- 22 years without an assistant coach. Um, t- <laughs> talk about some of your other responsibilities. I mean, I was similar at Western <laughs> Illinois, but I, I mean, for, for somebody listening in, probably can't wrap their head around going 22 years uh, by yourself without an assistant. But, you know, talk about that and then the other things that you're doing as well on campus. Well, first of all, I did serve as the head baseball coach uh, for 22 years and did not have an assistant. But the other part of that is that I had another responsibility. As I told you, at one time I was director of financial aid. Uh, I didn't think about it too much during the time that it was happening. Uh, Maybe because I realized what I was doing had an impact on so many students, both on the field of competition and also in helping them to be able to attend this university. So most people can't imagine what it's like trying to be the head coach without an assistant. But it was something that I enjoyed during that time. We were successful and it just seemed to have worked out. It was a great match. I don't know how I did it, if you really want to know the truth. But afterwards, and I thought about it, I realized that it took a lot uh, of sacrifices in order to do that. You, I had to have the desire to want to do it. And once I realized that I was having an impact on so many students, I really didn't give it a whole lot of thought. In addition to that, as you said, I have had a chance to do some other things here at the university. I even taught mathematics. Well, once a month, I was a math major here. <laughs> uh, and I've had opportunities to work in other areas as I am right now in the Office of University Advancement. Uh, I've also tried to help the president with as many projects as possible. So I've had an opportunity to serve uh, at this university in so many different capacities. And evidently, someone thinks that I'm being successful at it because I'm still here. But I I really enjoy having the opportunity to to do so much to try to help our students and enhance the, the standing of this university. Coming out of high school, what what drew you to Norfolk State? Well, what happened is I was recruited to play baseball. Uh, Fortunately, my high school baseball coach knew the baseball coach here at Norfolk State, who was Coach Eccles, so they were great friends. And Norfolk State had only had a baseball program for one year, and they were trying to recruit the best players that they could get. So it was really a, a, a great match for me to come to Norfolk State. And I think it's one of the greatest decisions I have ever made. I mean, what do, what do you remember most about Coach Eccles? Coach Eccles was basically like my father. Uh, in fact, uh, 
after he passed, I, I became a caretaker for his, even for his wife, you know. So it was almost like we were a father and son. In fact, for years, many of the players on the opposing team thought he was my father when I played. <laughs> so they thought I was getting some favors. But it's just that we created a, a real tight bond and relationship. And when he went out scouting, uh, he was a scout for professional football, Coach Lombardi. He did some uh, scouting even for baseball. And on many of those uh, trips, I, I traveled with him. And it gave me an opportunity to be exposed to a lot more than I normally would have been here at Norfolk State. So it, it developed into like a father and son relationship. What was eye-opening to you on those trips that you take with him? One thing is that I didn't realize he was as popular and as famous as he was. He was well-known, well-respected, and it surprised me because when you're around someone like that, you just never know. But once we start traveling and, and going to those different venues, athletic venues, I realized that uh, people thought a lot of him, and, and really they respected him a great deal. And then once you finished playing, you entered the Army, um, you know, was drafted or enlisted? No, I was in the ROTC program here. I was cadet commander. So they said I was the number one cadet here. So I had to, you know, play that role. And when I completed, I had an obligation to go in. In fact, I was uh, assigned to go to Fort Bliss, Texas, uh, ADA. Um, which I really enjoyed that assignment. So I ended up being, uh, went in as a second lieutenant, then I was promoted to a first lieutenant, and I had a chance to spend almost two years there. Were there things you picked up in the Army that you didn't get with the ROTC program? Um, you know, was that part of the way you paid for college too, is with the ROTC program? Well, the story behind that is that, see, when I was in school, I didn't have a lot of money. This is one of the reasons I'm so attached to Norfolk State because they gave me an opportunity to come to school and I really didn't have the finances to pay. So they made sure that I was able to stay here and to graduate. So what happened is after my sophomore year, I realized that if I signed up for the ROTC program, I could end up with $40 in my pocket a month. <laughs> so I was tired of not having any money in my pocket. And so it was kind of like a encouraged me to become part of that program. And, and, and I think that was a great decision because I realized that it would teach me a lot about becoming a man, a soldier, and, and a very dependable individual. Then how did the Twins find you after you got done playing, after you got done in the Army, how did the Minnesota Twins find you? Well, what happened is I, I was fortunate enough to play sports but I was in the military, so I was on the post teams. Uh, I played basketball, baseball, and ran track. And most people don't know this, but when I was uh, running track, we ran uh, against some teams like from uh, Germany, you know, from the different areas that they would come over for assignment to the post. And in basketball, I played against some individuals that end up going on playing uh, from professional basketball. But the excitement for me was when I played on the baseball team, I met some of the professional players who had been drafted <laughs> and they were playing on various post teams. So I had a chance to compete against 
uh, some of those guys that were in uh, in the service. And what happened during one of the games, a scout there from the Twins uh, attended the game because he had heard, I guess, about my play. And he was from Texas, so he came to one of the games. And I really had a great game, I have to say. And after the game, he invited me out to dinner. And we went to see one of the uh, minor league teams that was stationed and assigned there in El Paso. So after we spoke, uh, they offered me a contract uh, that once I got out of the service, I would support to uh, spring training. And fortunately, I was able to get out a little early to go to spring training, which was a great thing. And I always appreciate the military for that. I read that you were with Rod Crew for a little bit. So one of my favorites growing up, um, my dad had had video of of Rod. So I would watch Rod Crew hit when I was growing up. So one of my favorites of all time. Well, when I went to spring training, I could tell you now, it was one of the most eye-opening experiences I had ever had. I never had been in such an environment because the first day I walked uh, on the field to practice, it hit me at that time that I was considered a professional baseball player. And there were people in the stands shouting out my number because they didn't know my name <laughs> at that time. But just to have the opportunity to walk on the field with so many professional baseball players, it, it's an experience that I never forgot. And it was a thrill of my life because I felt that I had accomplished something in the game of baseball. I didn't have to even play the rest of the day. I realized that I had accomplished a dream to become a professional baseball player because truthfully, I thought I was going to play for 20 years. That was my goal, (laughs) but it didn't work out that way, but it was a great experience for me. Was it always your goal then when you're going to be finished to go back to Norfolk? Well, no, not really. Uh, I never had any plans to come back here to work. Um, At that time, after I left from playing baseball, I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do because it was kind of a setback for me. But I ended up staying here in the area. And one day uh, I received a call from the the AD at that time, who was uh, Coach Ajit. And he indicated that they needed someone to come over to work out the team because the current coach had resigned to accept another job. So they knew I was in the area. So I received permission to be able to come to practice here. And I practiced with the team. So they told me at that time they needed me for two weeks. That was the story. So I said, I can handle this for two weeks because the thing behind it, I, I did not have any coaching experience. So I came, we practiced for two weeks. So after the two-week period, I realized that Coach Archie never came back to say to me when the new coach was going to arrive. (laughs) So about the third week, I approached him and said, hey, Coach, where's the new coach? Oh, he said, I forgot to tell you, you're the new coach. (laughs) So I started out being a coach for two weeks and end up coaching 33 years. How did you handle that in the beginning then? So he's like, hey, you're the coach now. So so how do you handle that next part where, okay, now I'm the coach? How, how do you handle all that? 
Well, it was exciting, but to be honest, I, I had some concerns because, again, this was my first opportunity to coach on the college level. And believe it or not, I had a couple of guys who were just as old as I was at that time. So, anyway, what I did, I went to the library and I read a lot of books about coaching, all the positions. So I wanted to acquaint myself with what I should know. And I tried to use that knowledge when I actually was coaching on the field and it helped me a lot. So, but what happened after the first year, I realized that I did not want to be a coach because I had some difficulties trying to understand why a player couldn't hit a fastball down the middle of the plate. <laughs> so I was thinking about myself and I'm trying to relate. I just couldn't understand it. So I, I, I asked them if I could step down and I, you know, I turned the program back over to, to the athletic department. After the summer period, I realized they never had a coach. So they came back to me that fall and said, look, we need for you to continue this until we find a coach. After that, they actually hired me to come over to become the coach. And from that point, it's history. Who else were you leaning on back then? You're a young head coach. You hadn't been through it before. Were there any other mentors out there that you would lean on to ask questions? As usual, Coach Eccles. Because yeah. Coach Eccles was a great uh, baseball player as well, football player. So I would go to him, get advice from him, because he would even attend games. And on a couple of occasions during the game, I would sneak over in the bleachers and say, hey, coach, what do you think my next move should be? <laughs> so he was a great mentor for me and helped me a great deal to establish myself in this game. It's just amazing to me to think about you by yourself, trying to do everything by yourself, getting because I know how I was at that age, and there's no way I would have been able to handle everything that entails to, to run a, a college program at that point. I needed a lot of seasoning before I felt like I was ready. So I, I give you a lot of credit for, for taking the bull by the horns and doing that, because I don't know if there's many people out there that would be able to do that. So um, kudos well, to you. Well, it, it was a tremendous task, but again, I didn't even realize the challenge at that time. I guess I was just so uh, happy to have the opportunity to be around the game of baseball. And it didn't dawn on me really until 22 years later that I did not have an assistant. And that's when I went to the president and I asked Dr. Wilson, who happened to be the president at that time, I told him that I needed an assistant. I said, if I could not get an assistant. I'm giving up the game of uh, baseball. I don't want to coach anymore. I want to go to the administrative side. He said, oh, no, you are a coach. He said, we're going to find you an assistant. And I was able to hire my first assistant coach after 22 years. So it took some doing on my part to convince him. Because what he told me, he said, hey, Marty, he said, you winning all these championships out there by yourself. He said, why do you want to change the formula? <laughs> I said, no, nah. I said, that sounds good, but I, I need some at least to bounce some off someone during the game when I'm trying to make decisions. And I said, suppose I get uh, thrown out of the game, what are we going to do? So he realized that I eventually need an assistant coach, but he told me I was being too successful to even want to change that for him. For sure. Well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, you had an opportunity to coach your son. So yes. how was that? Well, let me tell you, 
that was one of the greatest periods of my coaching career. Because at first, my son did not want to attend North State because he always talked about going somewhere else. But when he made his final decision, which I did not encourage him, he came here and became a part of the program. The thing that was so important for me is that when he was in high school, I did not get the opportunity to go to see him play. And I felt pretty bad about that because here I, I'm a coach, my son playing, and I didn't have the opportunity to see him play. So it gave us the opportunity to start bonding. You know, when we were traveling uh, on the bus, I had a chance to see how he interacted with the other players. When we were staying in the same hotel, it just created a very close relationship for us that I didn't get a chance to experience before. And it, and it was a great period of my life. Yeah, same thing with me and my dad. It was a time I got to actually see him, which was, was wonderful. Um, you've had some great players, Terry Bradshaw, your Crozier. Um, you know, coaching tree is, is large with guys that you have that are impacting the game right now. And Eric, I reached out to Eric. He's been on the podcast, but he wanted me to ask you about the bear that you would talk about in classroom. <laughs> well, there were a couple of things that I would tell all of my players because I believe I had to help prepare them for life beyond baseball. And one story is one of the things that I told them that you will always reap what you sow. I'm one who believes that and still believe that to the day, because what I wanted them to understand is that you have to treat people right. If you want people to treat you right, you have to be honest with people. And so I, I still believe that to this day that you, you reap what you sow. And the second thing about the bear is that I told them that one day, they were going to face the bear. So at first they would look a little puzzled. They didn't understand what I was talking about. So finally one day one of them asked me, he said, coach, you keep talking about the bear. What is the bear? I said, I'm gonna tell you what the bear is. I said, bear is life. I said, one day you're gonna wake up, you may be married, have a family, you may have $10 in your pocket. Your son may need some new shoes. Your wife may need a new dress and you got to figure out what to do. <laughs> I said, so you're going to have to make some very tough decisions in life. And I said, you need to start preparing yourself now because life is not going to be easy. So they still talk to me about the bear. In fact, some of them even call me today and say, hey, coach, guess what? I saw the bear today. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, but it, we, we had some great times, some great stories, and my players, especially over the last three to four years, they have said some very heartwarming things to me to make me realize that some of the things I tried to do for them actually meant a great deal. And I can't tell you how meaningful that has been to me, all the texts, the phone calls I get where they're thanking me for what I did, you know, cause when I coach, they would tell you I was a tough coach. I demanded a lot and they didn't understand that at that time. So it seems like once they left, met the bear, they changed. <laughs> they appreciate me a lot more than they did when they were playing for me. 
Do you feel like that was part of the military background that you had bringing that into coaching? Yes. Uh, the military has had a great uh, impact on my life. Uh, I'm one who believes that you have to be on time. See, in the military, you can't be late. See, I was I worked with missiles and radar when I was in the, in the military. So you couldn't fire that missile one second late because you may be 100 yards off your target. So I believe in being on time. I believe in, in getting the job done, being a professional about everything that you do. All this has something to do with my military background because in the military, especially being an officer, you had to be responsible for a lot of young people and you had to set the example for them. So yes, it, it did and does have an effect uh, on who and what I am. What did getting the on-campus stadium built in 1997 do for the program? Uh, the baseball field? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that was being decided to name the field after me because I know that they were having a board meeting that day, but just so happened the director bumped into me and he congratulated me and I didn't know what he was talking about. So finally, uh, later on, the president let me know that the decision was made to name the field in my honor. And I tell you, it was uh, a moment of disbelief to think that I came here to play the game and had a chance to coach and now they thought enough of me to name the uh, new baseball field in, in my honor. That was a real uh, touching moment for me. In your time as AD, you raised the graduation rate at Norfolk from 40% to 75%. What do you feel like was – how did you guys get that turned around? Well, let me say this. I've always believed in academics. I was a math major, and I had to study hard. <laughs> and, I, and I knew – that students could be successful in the classroom and on the field of competition. So we established some tough guidelines for our student athletes. Now, I can tell you in the beginning, they did not like it, but I knew in the long term it would benefit them. So after uh, a period of time, they started adjusting to some of our uh, demands that we placed on them. They had to go to study hall. They had to do certain things. And what happened once the grade point average started increasing and they started getting some recognition uh, on the academic side, the students started liking that and it became a competition among them on how well not only were they going to compete on the field of competition, but in the classroom. And I believe that is one of my most successful accomplishments was what we was able to accomplish. Uh, in the classroom with those graduation rates. Because truthfully, when you think about it, that's what college is about. Making sure that your students get all that they can get academically, prepare themselves for the world of work, and be able to face that bear that they're going to have to face once they leave here. Quick break for another one of our sponsors, Mark Pro. That is M-A-R-C Pro. Personally, I used it as a coach for my ragged out BP arm and legs after a tough workout. We saw huge benefits with our pitchers and position players in decreased soreness and recovery time. It's an amazing machine that speeds up the recovery process by getting blood flow back to the areas that need it. It's durable and cost effective. The Mark Pro needs to be a tool in your peak performance toolkit. I can't recommend it enough. 
Hit me up if you have any questions. Order now on markpro.com and use the promo code ABCA to get 10% off. Now back to the podcast. Do you feel like the game of baseball has changed at all? Oh, most definitely. What are what are your uh, biggest things you feel like have changed with the game? When I played, when I coached, there was a great respect for this game. There were certain things you did, there were certain things that you didn't do. When you look at players today, it just appeared to me now that they just don't respect the game as much. We love the game. We love playing. We would say, I will play the game for free. You don't have to pay me to play. I used to hear that all the time. But nowadays, if you don't pay, there's no play. So I don't think the love of the game is the same uh, today as it was before because it was. I think it was a pure love. I'm not saying athletes or baseball players don't love the game. But I don't think they loved it as much as, as we did when we were playing. Are there any similarities? Well, there, there may be a few, but I, I don't see a lot of similarities. Because, for instance, we used to hustle out of everything. You know, you see players now, they don't hustle to the same degree. And so even some of the rules have changed. You know how you could go in and take out a player's second base. You can't do that the same way without being penalized or even thrown out of the game. So there are very few. There's so many changes in the game today that it has really made a difference, I think, in the game of baseball. See, the old guys, what I call the guys uh, back in the day when they played, you know, they played with a different uh, tenacity. You know, they had a different approach to the game. But now it seems like some of the guys that play now are more in it for themselves. What's my bad average? You know, what am I gonna get out of it? You know, how much money am I gonna make? And I just think for some of us who played a long time ago, it just takes a little bit away from the game. Did you have any issues with guys not playing hard when you were coaching? If they didn't play hard, they didn't play. So it was no issue. <laughs> you know, I told you I was a pretty tough coach, and they will tell you that because my thing is that every day you walk on the field, and at the end of the day when you left, you're supposed to say, I left everything on the field today. And that's why I believe that we had to have the rules and regulations they will get everything out of you each and every day because every day you go in to do something, you want to be the very best. Just like when I come to work every day, I want to say I did everything possible I could to make this a better institution. And I just think we should have that mentality about life and everything that we do. So yes, uh, I, I believe you should give it 150% every day. Any recommendations for parents or young players that are listening in right now? My thing would be that, first of all, for the parents, I never thought it was a good idea for parents to put a great deal of pressure on their sons to play this game and to make them do things that they don't want to make, especially in the uh, young ages. Because what can happen is that it can create a situation where 
those young people don't want to play because they know their parents will be complaining, putting all this pressure on them. They should let them play for the love of the game. But yes, help them with their fundamentals. Get someone to teach them the right fundamentals and let them to enjoy the game and not to create all that pressure on them. And for the young people today who are trying to play the game of baseball, my first thing is to love the game first. Love the game, respect the game. Because if you love the game and respect the game, you can get a lot out of this game. Because if you look at some of your best ball players, even today, those guys are committed every day to do the very best. And I think they should be role models for the young guys who want to play the game of baseball. So my thing goes back to you must love the game. You have to be dedicated, willing to pay the price to be the best each and every day. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something that you thought was going to sidetrack you along the way, but looking back now is one of the best things that happened to you? Yes, I would have to say that at one point, I didn't think that I wanted to be uh, continuing higher education. Uh, I had an opportunity one time to step away. And in fact, um, I was approached about another job. And ironically, I went to, again, Dr. Wilson, who happened to be the president at the time, and I told him that I was going to leave the university because I was going to accept uh, another job. So we talked about it. And the strange thing is, when I got ready to leave, not only did I not leave, he had given me an additional assignment. <laughs> he had the ability to get me to understand things in a very special way that how important this assignment was for me and that I was making such a positive difference that I'm glad I did not accept that job. And even now, I have to say that when I was going to retire, um, when uh, our new president, we call her Dr. J, came in and she asked me to stay on for an addition year as the athletic director, which I agreed to do that. Um, and during that year, we got a chance to work together and we had a chance to learn each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses. And for some reason, I, she saw some things in me that she thought would be beneficial if I remained a part of this institution. And I was thinking about that today is that if I was not here, I could not be doing some of the things to help enhance the lives of these students. Even the, the image of the, of the university. So, yes, I have. And I'm so happy that she uh, asked me to stay and be a part of, of this institution to continue. Uh, it has made me realize that this must be part of my assignment in life is to be here to help make a difference and to try to make sure that our students are uh, prepared for life beyond. So, I told my wife which she doesn't understand all this all the time, that I just believe that there are individuals on this earth who are, are given certain assignments in life and they must fulfill those assignments. And some way I feel like I have been given a special assignment. So I'm trying to be as obedient about what I'm supposed to be as I can because I want to make sure that I can make a positive difference. Did you enjoy coaching or being an administrator more? 
Honestly, I, I, I enjoy both because the reason is that I just haven't had administrative jobs where I had the opportunity to still affect the lives of students, you know, helping them find money to go to school, to finish school, and also to be successful in the classroom. The coaching aspect is I had a chance to have young men that I could serve like as a mentor, as a father figure, because many of them did not have fathers in the home. So it helped me to be able to have an impact in their lives uh, in that capacity, which again, at the time, I didn't realize the impact that I was making. All this came after the fact. So I don't separate the two. I enjoyed this one more than the other. They were both uh, very enjoyable experiences for me. You've made such a huge impact on that community. What are some tips for people listening in on how to make a positive impact in your community? Well, I think that, first of all, you have to love what you do. Uh, see, love and commitment, to me, they are very important. And if you're going to do something, I think you have to put your whole heart and soul into it. And each day, as I said before, is that you want every day to count in your life where you have had the opportunity to make a positive difference. So I would tell them to make sure they love what they do. Make a commitment to be the very best at what you do. You're going to have to make sacrifices in life to be successful. And you got to be able to have to balance and to handle that. And to always remember that you are not the greatest person in this world. There's something greater than you and something more important than you in life and that you got to understand your place in this world in order to try to help make it a better place for others. So I think, if, and then if you treat people right, treat people the way you want to be treated, if you put all of those things together, I think you have an opportunity to be successful. You seem like you're in great shape, a lot of energy, love what you do. Do you have any morning or evening routines that you do every day that you feel like help you? Well... You know, you asked me, I'm giving out some of my little secrets, but uh, yes, there are some things I do every day. Uh, every day I get up, I say a little prayer. You know, I ask, you know, uh, the good Lord to help me to be the best I can be today and to be a positive difference in the lives of others. Uh, I still come to work basically almost every day. Uh, I like what I do because for me, trying to help someone else, I think it's been the underlying factor in my life. And then basically I go home, you know, eat and watch ball games as usual, but I don't have many hobbies, believe it or not. And, and which is not, I would say a good thing. I just had never taken time to have a lot of hobbies. So it appears that all of my hobbies have been associated with Norfolk State. My time has been associated with Norfolk State. My commitment has been with Norfolk State. So I have not allowed or had the opportunity to develop any hobbies or anything other than Norfolk State. And what my wife has told me, she's given up on this. She said, Norfolk State is just like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't argue. So she's accepted that. She knows how much I appreciate 
the way she has allowed me to put in this time and effort and the sacrifices that we have made in order for me to do this. You know, it took a little time, but she's having to been the perfect mate for me to have been able to do these things that I've done here. And, and, and evidently, uh, I, you know, I still enjoy it. What does it mean to go into the ABCA Hall of Fame? At first, when I was told, I was speechless. I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, the first words I heard is, Marty, are you sitting down? I said, no, but I can. <laughs> so after I was told, it really touched me because the reason is that I never imagined going to this type of Hall of Fame. And when I looked at the list of individuals in that hall, I was totally impressed. All I knew is that I came to work, loved the game of baseball, wanted to win every game we played, and didn't complain and just enjoyed that experience. We didn't have a lot of great facilities during that time. So I, and the thing that I love about my players is they never complained about the lack of facilities or whatever. The only thing they told me is that, Coach, we just want to play. And for this moment to come where individuals, my colleagues and uh, the members of the committee felt that I was worthy, it was a heartwarming uh, experience for me. And they even let me know that all the work I had put in has been recognized by someone else, even though it was never intended to be, but someone else did notice it. And it made like made me feel like all those hours I rode on that bus, <laughs> 10, 12, 15 hours, all those hours we spent on the field just made it all worthwhile. So this is one of the greatest honors of my professional career. And I'm very excited about it. And it means a lot to me, to my family, and even to Norfolk State. Uh, so it's, 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 I can't put a price on it, it's priceless but it's, it's very meaningful for me to be a member of the Hall of Fame. What are some final thoughts, or if you want to give some shout-outs to anybody that, that maybe we didn't, we missed, um, but what you got some final thoughts? Well, my final thoughts are that I am honored to be a part of the class of 2022. Um, I, I looked at the list, and I'm, I'm glad that I was able to go in with this group. See, one of the ironic things, and I, I look at things like this, is that uh, even the coach uh, from Flagler College is being honored. You know, uh, Dave, believe it or not, my granddaughter enrolled in Flagler College this year. So I just thought that was, I said, oh, this is unreal. But um, I, I just want to thank the committee members for selecting me. And again, I want to thank Dr. J, our president, for the confidence she has uh, shown in my in, 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 in the interest of me being here and being a part of this institution to give me the opportunity to continue to make a difference in the lives of others. I want to thank all of my players who worked so hard without complaining 
for me to actually have be have been successful because if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here. They really helped me to get here. And I, I'm greatly appreciative of what they did. And all of the presidents that I worked for, I worked, I have worked for all of the presidents here at Norfolk State. <laughs> so you may have been here a long time. Uh, they actually entrusted the program to me from day one, a young man with no coaching experience uh, that went off uh, for 30 some years. And I just want to thank all those who worked with me for me to be here. My family, they gave up so much. My wife, my son, uh, they were committed and, and I appreciate that. So I'm just thankful for all the opportunities that I've had to be a part of this great university. Marty, thanks so much for jumping on with me and I'll see you in January. And thank you. And I appreciate this opportunity and I'm looking forward to viewing this once it's ready again. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thanks Thank so you. Much. You take care. Have a nice day. Coach Miller is a great example of finding your why. I wish that for everyone that you find a place that you love going to work every day. It's left a lasting impact on the Norfolk State community. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter and TikTok at coachb underscore abca. Instagram, RyanBrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyBCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.